0: Recording
1: started. Recorded live. Good morning. Good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 534. My name is Eric Nelson. And with me, I have my regular co-host, Matt Longa. Matt, how are you doing today?
0: Eric, I am well. Uh, It's somewhat rainy and overcast day in central Pennsylvania, but no locusts as of yet for 2020. So I can't complain. But how are you, sir? How are things out in the bay? What's the color of the bay? And speaking of bugs, how is the VMTN upgrade going along? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Thanks for asking.
1: First, we'll hit the color of the bay. The color of the bay is uh, dark gray. It is winter here in California. Uh, big cold front moved in uh, last week and it has been cold. I almost froze my new orange plant that I grew from seeds. It has been chilly and we got frost last night. So welcome to wintertime. We're only maybe six weeks away from Christmas. Can you believe that? So so Matt, it is. Uh, it has been cold and miserable here in the Bay Area. So uh, we're catching up to Michigan and Pennsylvania and all those those cold places um so that's good when we get to the vm vmtn bug upgrade vmtn has been going great we upgraded the community platform so if you haven't visited vmtn.vmware.com or the communities.vmware.com um go check that out uh, we upgraded the whole platform uh it has been fun to do that we upgraded five million users uh, uh multiple millions of uh Got upgraded to a new platform called Chorus, and it has been going well. Uh, we've gone from having an average of 100 posts a day to over 400 posts a day. So we've seen a 4x improvement just in the last uh, four days since we've upgraded, and the performance is much, much better. We're still indexing the site, but uh, page loads have gone down from like, you know, seven seconds a page and even higher when you're editing down to a comfortable two or three seconds. And we expect that to improve improve. So all in all, Matt, thanks for asking. It has been a very uh, nice and pleasant upgrade. Lots of things that we've corrected throughout the weeks and the team has been on it, listening to people on the boards uh, when they have questions or asking. We've been engaging with them and have got a lot of good feedback and we're doing updates uh, every day. So all in all, uh, a fun upgrade for sure.
0: Congrats to you and Jenny and the rest of the team. Sounds like it went as well as possible could be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, your, thanks, thanks for saying that. And uh, it has been going and everybody's been working a lot of hours to make that happen. On the show today, it is networking week. Um, you know, everybody knows that we're doing a big networking launch uh, next week, November 16th, uh, 2020. So if you haven't registered for that yet, you should absolutely go do that. It's all about networking and how v- VMware is going to reinvent networking with software-defined networking. And if you haven't heard, Project Monterey, putting ESX on a network controller. So man, networking is moving. Security is, is all about security and, you know, multi cloud networking and the endpoints. So there's going to be a really cool uh, presentations uh, for this launch. I think it's an international launch. So it's going US, Asia, and Europe, uh, much like VMworld did. And uh, I did get a sneak peek on the video. And I would say that uh, it's going to be uh, really worth your time watching. I think it's only an hour long, uh, but go register for that. And you'll definitely want to get it because it does address a project of Monterey and uh, putting putting ESX on a network controller is uh, pretty cool. so go register for that you can register at vmware.com and on the show today uh, we're going to be talking about networking and we have with us a guest Mervin Fernandez. Mervin uh, is uh, worked at Cisco for many many years and so he's come on to give us kind of some historical perspective of how the industry is changing from hardware and Cisco switches into SDN. So we've got Merv and Fernandez on the call. We'll get to him in a minute and let him uh, do some introduction to himself. But before we do that, uh, maybe we'll get to some news. So Matt, uh, what's happening
0: with VMUG? Uh, VMUG. So November 24th, the VMUG uh, virtual user con for the UK uh, will be again, November 24th. I believe the keynote there will be by uh, Joe Bagley. So Joe is the VP and chief technology officer for EMEA and really looking forward to that event. Also in other news, V expert applications for uh, the latter half of this year uh, will open up on the 20th, 1120. So for VExpert expert applications. So keep that date in mind.
1: Very nice. Very nice. So VExperts experts opening up, uh, Corey has been dealing with the VMTN upgrade, so he can't be with us on the show today, but, uh, but uh, I'm sure he'll be busy with VExpert expert applications as well. So I'm looking excited to that. So, okay, let's, uh, let's spend a little bit of time talking about networking and inter- introduce our guest, Mervin Fernandez. Mervin, uh, why don't we always do this on our community show since we all are about community and learning new people and meeting new people. Why don't you give us a little elevator pitch? Who are you and give us the arc of your career? What have you worked on with regards to networking?
2: Uh, Hello. Hello, everyone. It's uh, Mervyn Fernandez. As uh, Eric mentioned, Uh, I was with Cisco for the most part of my career, uh, 22 plus years. And then uh, I went into semi retirement. But I essentially worked as a consultant on contract at different companies uh, on different networking projects. And uh, for the most part it was uh, either infrastructure related or just uh, uh, migrations or uh, new network builds based on next generation data center architectures or cloud-based solutions. Um, uh, I have both a traditional networking background as well as a next gen. Background in terms of how the network has evolved over time, and we can talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll briefly start with just traditional networking to uh, give you guys a baseline, or, uh, a baseline in terms of concepts, and then move uh, move from that to uh, uh, what we have today in terms of next gen regarding uh, software defined networking that uh, Eric mentioned, as well as. Uh, other uh, features, solutions that are in the
1: industry today. Right. Well, thanks for the introduction. It's always good to, you know, meet people that have been through it. I think that over the years, when uh, when we're talking about networking and, and IT gear and the data center migration, uh, over years, me and Marv, we've had conversations about, you know, the, the arc of, of where networking is going. And it's, it's interesting to start at the beginning where it was all, you know, look at sun microsystems and switches and when they invented TCP IP and switches and all of that, right. Where, which was all physical networks and, and then the arc of, of, of next generation switches. Right. So uh, we started networking. Well, you know, the history of networking when, you know, TCP IP and that vented an ARPANET, I guess, uh, some of those guys started building at that. And then we've gone to hard, you know, we went into hardware switching. And I guess from a history perspective, how much do you think the industry is still in hardware switches, right? So give us a little sense of the history of hardware, you know, in networking. And then up to 2020, what percentage of the world do you think is still stuck in that physical switch mentality, given that you worked at Cisco and watched Cisco's kind of moving their customers to software-defined versus not software-defined?
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, traditional networking, as I called it, was based on uh, physical switches and this concept of uh, the iOS or uh, network operating system that that ran on the switches, it was essentially the control plane and the data plane that was implemented on the one switch. And uh, uh, just from a physical hardware perspective, in terms of speeds and feeds... When we first started many years ago you know uh, fast ethernet or 100 megabits per second was enough speed at that time but what we've seen over the years is an evolution to E. and now what you see is 10 gig it's actually 25 gig and there's 40 and 100 gig switches so the capability of these switches has increased tremendously but uh, the interesting part is the cost for providing these higher speeds is, is actually quite reasonable, hasn't changed that much. So from a physical hardware perspective, uh, the switches actually perform more, but the, the architecture has changed in the sense that uh, they've introduced what's called software programmability into these switches, as well as this move or migration towards a software-defined network. Uh, so uh, you know the traditional network uh, that followed the OSI model, that's still there and it exists. And there's still layer one, for example, where you actually go from like 10, 25, 40, and 100 gig and the cabling and infrastructure that you can put in place to provide uh, uh, the switching at layer one. And then as you move up the stack to layers two and three, that's where you see all the changes and uh, evolution. Uh, When we first started, we had the physical switch, non-virtualized with multiple NIC cards that essentially connected to a switch. And then uh, at layer two, you essentially deploy VLANs to give you the separation uh, at layer two. And uh, we refer to as broadcast domain containment at layer two. Uh, So that's still there, you know, spanning tree and and VLANs at layer two. And then quickly as you move up to layer three, you have uh, what's called layer three routing protocols. And uh, for those we refer That's typically uh, like IP routing protocols, such as BGP, OSPF, and uh, that's there as well. Uh, But the architecture has changed from the traditional sense where we used to build a three-tier architecture with an access layer, a distribution and a core to a two-tier architecture, which we call today uh, as a spine-leaf architecture. Uh, now, what's interesting about this is there's still layer two and there's still layer three, but what's changed here is uh, this uh, uh, concept of virtualization and software defined networking that's been introduced. Uh, so in, in, in the case of uh, VMware, for example, <clears throat> uh, VMware went out, VMware was essentially in the server virtualization space And then with the acquisition of Nisera uh, many years ago, uh, that's where they uh, introduced uh, some extensions to layer two, which you probably heard of and uh, which we refer to as VXLAN, Virtual Extensible LAN. And that's uh, uh, what started the revolution or evolution to next generation networks in the sense that uh, layer two changed and by leveraging VXLAN, it allowed you to extend your layer two networks now across much larger geographies, either within the data center or across data centers. And what they've done is, they have all of the switch vendors, Juniper, Arista, Cisco, they've all incorporated VXLAN into the switches and for the most part, it's done in hardware. And, uh, that actually led to the evolution of the network from a layer two perspective to give you this layer two extensibility for your network in software, in software, right. Uh, in VMware's case, uh, you have, uh, what's called the, the NSX controller. And with the NSX controller now, you have uh, the separation of the control plane from the data plane, where the NSX controller is essentially uh, the central control point with uh, data forwarders uh, that you implement elsewhere in your network. But in this case, the the NSX controller uh, provides the programmability to the data forwarders that you implement uh, in each server, and in this case, it could be, uh, you know, a server running standard uh, uh, like ESX type functionality as well as the data forwarding piece, uh, where it communicates with the NSX controller. So similar concepts uh, have been deployed on the networking side, where. With uh, Cisco, Juniper, and Arista, they all have an external controller as well, but it's more an external controller from a networking perspective. And with this new evolution, you hear this new, these new terms called the overlay and the underlay of the network. So with the overlay and underlay concept, the underlay actually refers to the underlying plumbing of the network. These are the switches that do the traditional uh, forwarding of packets. And then in the case of uh, the VMware solution with NSX, you build uh, like a VXLAN overlay on top of like, for example, a Cisco uh, underlay or, or physical network or it could be a Juniper or it could be an Arista. It doesn't matter.
1: Right, so the underlay is still done in the hardware space, right? And then the overlay is where you have the SDN software layer come in uh, in that layer two and then you know, build out a virtual, virtual structure for that.
2: That's right. So think of it as, uh, uh, you know how you actually have layer two VPNs, for example? Huh. So these are layer two tunnels that you're actually building using VXLAN between two endpoints that need communication. So for example, let's say you want to go between uh, a finance server and uh, let's say an HR server somewhere else. Traditionally, you'd have to go up to, uh, you would actually go up to the physical switch and then route between those two VLANs. But now with this new solution, you can actually build a VXLAN tunnel between the two servers and have that done through NSX, or have that done through an external controller from either Juniper Arista, or Cisco.
0: Right.
1: And where VN comes in, and VMware comes in this is the NSX solution for that, right? And uh, that's right. Runs on top of that. Um, that's right. Yeah. Talk about charging for a second, like or the cost of this stuff, right? Like I know that uh, there is the physical port cost that the switch providers provide, but then there's generally a cost at the, you know, building this layer two extension, right? In the software space as well, right? Like this is, I, I know VMware charges for this stuff, right? It so, does. And I
2: think that's all part of uh, the uh, evolution towards charging and software-based uh, charging solutions. So now, uh, Uh, with software now, you pay a licensing fee. And depending on the number of connections uh, you require, as well as the feature itself, you would pay either a monthly or an annual cost
1: so you're getting into the SaaS sales of network connectivity from a software perspective, right? And you buy the hardware per port, maybe, you know, down below layer two or up to layer two, you're, you're buying the hardware for that. Then you're paying software charges on that on that extent. Yeah.
2: In, in layman's terms, in the VMware model, you have like your gold, silver, and bronze. Uh, bronze being, let's say, you, have, you just have a need for 100 connections. Then we just get the bronze solution. If you needed more, then you go up to the silver or or the gold, right? Okay. And then, and then uh, with the existing infrastructure, from an underlay perspective, it's just your existing cost for ports on your physical switches. So the physical, uh, well, uh, the servers running uh, VMware would connect up to the the switch, the upstream switch. Right. And th- that would be at 1040 or 100. Well, uh, on the server side, I think it would probably be 10 or maybe 40, depending on uh, advancements on the NIC cards. And then you would just build your traditional network to give you the, the, the end-to-end connectivity, either within the data center or within your campus. And then when you're going across campus sites, you would just do the VXLAN layer 2 extensions now.
1: Now, the interesting thing that's happened and why we're talking about this today is that we are doing this network uh, network uh, day, network for a future, uh, where we're highlighting kind of this architecture. But then we're, we're looking at the security implications of this. So we've gotten VMware has gotten into the security business as well, where we're starting to do network security in that layer as well, where we're managing endpoint connections, right, and traffic that's going from these endpoints. So we've actually started to look at layering in security into that fabric as well right into that tier two extension, uh, which is interesting. Yep.
2: Yeah. So what you're actually referring to is kind of what we call network function virtualization. So in uh, the case of uh, VMware and other server vendors, you can implement security as a software feature, a function in the server. You can do routing, for example, it's called distributed virtual routing in the server as well. So that's the, uh, the solution or direction from uh, a VMware perspective, where not only can they do the, the NSX piece, where you're actually deploying the overlay, at the same time, I'm gonna give, also give you the firewalling piece, where I can give you the IDS or IPS, intrusion detection as well on the server. If you wanted IPSec, for example, they could probably deploy an IPsec tunnel to encrypt your data, right? That sort of thing. Yeah, it's but, a it's yeah. a different model where you're, you're It's still NSX based. you it's controlled from the the external controller. You build your endpoints between the servers, depending what the requirements are. Whether it's just layer two extensions using VXLAN, if you want to add IPsec on top of that, you can uh, certainly do that. What you have to remember though is. Uh, there's there's issues with scalability now. And as you get into large cloud-based networks where you could have, you know, 20 or 30,000 nodes within your network, that's where you have to build your network properly in the sense that there's there's scaling limitations per NSX server. So as as long as you follow the guidelines and recommendations from... NSX, or a Cisco, or a Juniper, or an Arista, you can build uh, your network that allows you to scale to these large numbers.
1: Right, right. Okay. Uh, so that's that's interesting. So we got security layered in to the overlay uh, offering. Uh, the other thing that we're seeing is application control, endpoint management, right? Where modern apps, where you're having microservices spin up in different places, and then managing endpoint connections, that also folds into oh. managing those that traffic. Uh, at, in the overlay software, right, which is which is a, a a third place that VMware kind of inserts itself. One is in the overlay with NSX. Two is the security, you know, extensions in that overlay, and then three is modern apps endpoints, whether it's Kubernetes or other applications that are running that you're managing the the connections between the applications themselves, right? Which is a little bit of traffic management, I would think.
2: Yeah, because uh, uh, whether it's on the networking side or on the server side from VMware, they all have what's called a micro-segmentation solution, which is exactly what you're referring to from a security perspective, where you can micro-segment the network by application, or you know, uh, depending on your security requirements, you can deploy different uh, solutions there.
1: Right. So uh, another thing that's interesting uh, that, that I'll pick your brain on, right, is, and you might not, uh, we just introduced this at VMworld this year, uh, is this notion that, so NSX runs on top of ESX, our hypervisor, right? And so you generally have to do this on a server, uh, which is fine. You designate a server or you designate a VM on a server to manage that that workload, right, uh, That where you're doing the that layer two overlay is sitting NSX runs on vSphere. They're now, or ESX, our hypervisor. They're now talking about uh, putting ESX in the network controller. Some of these fat network controllers, uh, you can put ESX the hypervisor right on the network controller, then run NSX on the network controller to do the network routing without ever having to put workload on the server itself. Which is interesting, right? An interesting concept, right? Where you offload because all of this ends up being a software stack for your network cards or your network connect connections, they're basically taking the requirement of having ESX, which would normally be an Intel CPU-based workload, off and putting it on the network controller, basically putting it that much closer to the network infrastructure directly. So that your server that's running your big loads aren't isn't impacted at all by the by the the layer two overlay fabric management, I guess I would call that. Which I think is the best thing that I've heard, which is what we're gonna talk about. Um, The Number 6 um, event is gonna talk about, one, the overlay, you know, typical NSX, right? two, security and it's three, the actual um, uh, endpoint management for you know microservice applications, and then four, um, how to move that whole stack right into a network controller, right? Right. That's which I'm not sure what the advantage of that is, but I guess that's the architecture. So uh, and there's quite a lot of buzz around it, right? but I'm not sure whether that's just buzz or whether that's real. But we call that Project Monterey, right? Which is running that whole stack on a network controller.
2: Right. That's interesting. I, I believe that's part of uh, VMware's evolution to uh, uh, streamline uh, the solution.
1: Um, right. Although I'm, I'm not really sure, uh, but it, it certainly makes the whole networking stack dedicated to the network controller, right? So you're almost in the physical switch business if you've got a network controller that does all that work and you've moved it out of the server kind of because it's now deployed on the network controller, right? Uh, Versus,
0: yeah. Yeah, the overhead of anything with routing or switching from within the NSX stack is now out on the NIC itself. And because vSphere is effectively running in a container, one of the things that I believe that's out there with Monterey that would also allow you to do is when you would need to upgrade the host in certain situations that you could take the running instance of ESX that's traditionally running on the main CPU and temporarily shift some of those functions out to the NIC and then do the updates that you would need to do, and then run that, and then shift it back, or in other words, move the, the spin up another node, and then move it back to the CPU.
1: Yeah, I couldn't get a sense of whether the uh, the is this main CPU's running in a hypervisor in a VM, and now the NIC is controlling that workload that's on the main CPU, like. kind of hard to get your head around whether that's what they mean or some other i know that putting the nick putting esx there and running nsx there and managing all the network overlay makes sense but then what i still struggle with is is the cpu running bare iron right an os directly or something else because i've i've heard comment like well if we're running um if you're running a big database, you don't want ESX in the way, or you don't want any kind of network in NSX for sure in the way. But I can't tell whether they're really talking about managing bare metal also, or whether they're you're you're running VMware ESX on your main CPU, and then you can do workload movement like what you just described, right? I don't know, right? So interesting.
2: Uh, that's interesting. I I'm not quite on top of that. So you saying actually. The change here is to run, uh, uh, was it ESX or?
1: ESX, yeah, I think so, ESX.
2: On, um, the, on the NIC card?
1: On the NIC, yeah.
2: And what, uh, just ESX or the, the, the NSX controller piece itself as well?
1: And the NSX on top of that. So yeah, ESX hosts NSX. So yes, ESX and NSX all on the NIC. That then gets you capabilities, right, on the NIC itself, which means you're no longer dependent on the CPU. You can let the CPU do whatever it needs to do, right? And you're not, yeah.
2: And and is this, a, is this, a, uh, this is this uh, with this this is a special NIC that you've partnered with somebody, or,
0: or how how did
1: I believe they've announced? Yeah, I believe we've announced some number of uh,
0: Melonix is a partner, I believe, and as well as is Intel. There there is a limited number of boards out there that. That have come out of, of of testing i don't know if anything are, has met the hcl as of yet but obviously they've been partnering and working with certain key vendors
1: and on the chat this out there in their chat they were saying we partnered with nvidia as well so. NVIDIA,
0: yes mm-hmm. sure that's interesting
2: so there's a lot of offload from the cpu to the NIC cards
1: right right and so that puts vmware in a pure networking play because you're you know, you're just in the network card itself and we're working with the card vendors and now you just have a whole software SDN payload that sits outside of the CPU, don't need the CPU connection, you're just running it in the NIC.
2: And then the, the idea is to have the CPU just dedicated for apps?
1: Yes, I, I, I get the impression there were large database vendors and others that didn't want to see the NSX running on the physical CPU. This NIC solution solves part of that. Right. And, and that's comment. You get to do upgrades and other things while your workload. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Right. But yeah.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. So with uh, typically on the NSX side, you have like, you need some kind of redundancy in HA from a controller perspective. Right. So you could multiple, you could implement uh, cause typically you need, like at least two or three, somewhere in your network for failover. So I'm assuming you would, you'd have this capability on other NIC cards on
0: other servers to give you the HAPs. Yeah, it really depends on where, where you want to look at your failure domain, right? Do you want to look at it with intra-host or within intra-cluster? Okay. And your, your level of fault tolerance.
2: And I was thinking from a big picture perspective, if you have two data centers now, and uh, the old model was to uh, either have, uh, have some kind of HA across data centers. Sure. And uh, so now with the model changing to uh, NSX on the net card, I'm assuming the, the same HA rules that you had before would apply here as well. With some kind of communication now uh, using VXLAN between the NSX controllers and uh, the two different data centers or campus networks that sort of think.
1: yeah and there's a there's a lot of uh, buzz around that and buzz around you know this move that we're making and they, some people actually label it as as big as virtualization was for the CPU Right? That if you put the NSX layer in the network card, it gives you some really interesting ways to build out your network infrastructure that are quite different, but, uh, you know, have advantages, right? So, and that's part of what we're doing in the November 16th. I'll say it again, November 16th uh, launch uh, where they're going to come in and they have some customers come in and I, I know I've, I've seen it. So I know what it's there. And I, I, know, I know I can't say too much about it, but I know there are going to be customers that are going to talk to it uh, as well. So, Pretty interesting and then they i think they're going to talk about also security and modern apps and how they're going to do that as well so it is it is interesting to see you know next generation question for you merv coming back to cisco because you know they are they are still a big vendor they still they're still a 40 50 billion dollar vendor uh out there and and clearly they're going to still sell switches right because you need the over the underlay right as you say yeah. um, I think they're going to also probably move into this space as well, right? Or if they, they already have their own STM solutions.
2: Yeah, Cisco solution is essentially the, the APIC or Application Policy Infrastructure Controller. So there's a big difference between the Cisco solution and uh, the VMware solution. With Cisco, f- they follow what's called uh, the group policy model. So uh, the, there's, uh, there's an underlying protocol difference between the Cisco implementation and the VMware implementation on the SDN side. So with Cisco, they they actually use Opflex and uh, this concept of network policy. So from the Cisco controller, the APIC controller, you're actually pushing out a network policy to each uh, switch in your network. And then, once the policy is pushed out to each switch, then uh, the, the, the data forwarders in this case are actually uh, independent in the sense that once they have that policy, they can function as is without without really having to communicate with the APIC controller.
1: Right.
2: Uh, so...
1: It just reminds me of yellow pages in the old days of NFS, NFS way back, right? Like where you're just managing the policy and distributing a policy out to, you know, policy servers and then can manage out to the individual uh, network switches uh, that, that that then run policy. And then you're just doing policy updates on a regular basis, a push model.
2: Yeah. Whereas when the NSX solution, I believe they use what's called the OVSDB protocol where NSX uses this OVSDB protocol to talk to all the other... Data forwarders in the NSX SDN model. Uh, so uh, well, with Cisco, they you know there's all there's uh, advantages to both solutions. Uh, but uh, in the case uh, uh, with the uh, Apic solution, it, it it follows the the network policy with endpoints and endpoint groups that you build within your network. And uh, that's—I uh, I don't believe that's changed. Right. Uh, so uh, uh, but, uh, what's what's interesting about the Cisco solutions is I—I I, I believe they—they can also interface uh, with the uh, VMware NSX controller, and uh, there are uh, situations where there is interoperability. Between an APIC controller and uh, uh, NSX, so whether NSX runs on the net card or the, the physical server itself, the, the tradition, the old solution, I don't think that would matter. But uh, um, again, uh, these are uh, two different architectures. VXLAN is still common between them in the sense that it's still used. To build a network uh, from a layer two and a layer two extension perspective, but from a controller perspective, there, there are some underlying differences between the two solutions.
1: Got it. Next topic for me, and I always do this on our podcast is uh, I always talk a little bit about, the, about the, the the cloud vendors or the what we call the what is it the hyperscalers, right? Which is Amazon, Azure, Amazon AWS, AWS is your gcp yeah uh google and uh even ibm and oracle and other big cloud vendors um there's network connectivity that goes to the cloud vendors have you seen any exposure to this are are they choosing sides uh are they basically you know running allowing you to build networks into their network uh i don't know if you've experienced any of this uh uh, mervyn whether that's uh, something you're you're aware of, but I think that's going to also hit is, you know, connectivity to the, the hyperscale cloud vendors is is going to be important moving forward because everybody's managing, you know, these connected workloads uh, to to the cloud vendors. And so I wonder how that's going to play out.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting with uh, IBM and the Red Hat acquisition. Sure. You know, that's because, uh, you know, Linux is playing a big part in uh, uh, the future of all this.
1: Right, right. And, and how the client OSs interact with the network fabric as well.
2: Right? And not, not only that; it's uh, the container-based solution versus what you guys do.
1: Right. Right. Uh,
2: because uh, for the most part, you know, containers are free.
1: No, they're not. They're not free. <laughs> no, they're very expensive. How <laughs> like uh, do you run those things? Right. <laughs> um, again, just
2: to give you an idea, with the new Cisco switches, it's all. Uh, Container based,
1: right, they, right.
2: They tend to use containers a lot. That's how they uh, so with the new switches. If you want to uh, spin up a function, a uh, software based function for security or anything else, you just spin up a control uh, container on the switch. Because uh, you know what, uh, with NXOS and all the newer switches, it's all Linux based. Right, the underlying operating system, right. Yeah. So that's the direction in most vendors, not just Cisco. It's the same with Juniper and Arista. It's all container-based. And that's how they see uh, this evolution now on the networking side uh, to provide software-based functionality. On right, right,
1: the container infrastructure, right? And uh, container infrastructure just makes network. You know, need requests and and you know you provision right out right, and you you do that at the container layer. Yes, yeah. Yeah,
2: so that's that's what they call programmability of the network. Right. So you know you talked about uh, how this has all changed and how we're going to pay for all this. So with all the major networking vendors, they're all moving towards a software based model and software based licensing in the sense that if you want a feature now, you spin up a container and then you pay for it.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: And, you know, so the traditional in the old days when Cisco used to sell software, the, the,
1: uh, you bought it by the switch, right? Yeah. It was bundled in with the switch.
2: It was bundled into the switch, but you paid a fee for like uh, other additional features like SNA or Apple Talk or, you know, stuff like that. Right. But now uh, the the, the model has changed and then uh, they're because they're going towards the software-based selling um, model and programmability of the network. That's where you're seeing the, the, the way they sell things different.
1: Yeah. Are they selling also based on traffic amounts, right? Or volume, like, uh, or is it, is it still just feature based and capa- capacity of the service, but maybe not, you know, gigabits across the.
2: No, not, not gigabits. It's more licensing. So for example, uh, with the security licenses, like IPsec, for example, you you pay for either a hundred tunnels or two hundred, that sort of thing.
1: Right. So but it's other like, reality based. It's not traffic based yet.
2: No. No.
1: Yeah. I hate traffic based charging. Right. Like. I mean, it, how much traffic you're going to have? Then, well,
2: you know, if you're a telco, it's different because you charge based on usage. Yeah. traffic shape uh your connection depending on how much you need
0: so that's different right So Mervyn to that end I mean I think of, of where we progressed to you know like in a small to medium sized business where if you were on the smaller end you bought some 2950s and you put them out at the edge and if you were getting really big you put a you know 4,000 or a 3,000 series core switch in and, and tied it all back and maybe stacked them or if you did had a core switch that, you know, if you could afford it, you had two of those, but we hear a lot about 5G and we hear about a lot of how this is now going to, you know, bring true wireline speeds out to the edge. So do you think it's conceivable within, I don't know, a five to seven year time frame, where for, a, again, that small to medium sized business that we're not even worried about switching and routing at the edge where it's all just going to be a true telco-defined software layer where the, the connectivity is built into the device. And if you need to have a device talk to something else on the LAN, that's going to be a price point. And if you want micro-segmentation, that'll be a price point. And then if you want security, and it'll just add on to these telco services because yeah, everything will eventually be coming out as a, as a DAS service. I mean, where, where do you see... How, how does this progress or where do you see this for the average small to medium business of what's the need for the local land anymore and local land services where it could be now delivered as a monthly or annualized service charge from the telco?
2: I, I think in both uh, in North America, both in the US and Canada, and I believe in Europe as well, uh, the telcos have all, they've all evolved their network. And now they, they, they're offering exactly what you described. So for small businesses, for example, they'll, <clears throat> they'll put in a smart modular switch that gives you these capabilities that you can easily upgrade to with just like a software add-on in the, the, the CPE box from the telco. So... From a small business perspective, all you would need is, uh, traditionally you would have your switching infrastructure, one or two 2900s, what have you, in the local site connected up to uh, just a pipe, a dumb CPE. Whereas now the telcos have changed that in the sense that they may offer more than that. So they'll give you, uh, uh, you would just need to uh, go to the telco to So essentially tell them I need X number of ports with this and this feature, and they can deliver that to you. This way, you have no requirement for a network admin or any kind of uh, support infrastructure down at the small business end. It's
0: all handled through the telco. Is it reasonable to assume that that wireline connectivity or, or Ethernet connectivity at the edge will be going away, or, or it will be a true, you know, point-to-point connection from the device to the telco? Uh, uh, yes, because uh,
2: what uh, what a lot of the telcos there the way they built the network was using BGP. Because that was the protocol that allowed you to scale effectively across, like, you know, North America or within multiple countries, that sort of thing. But now, what they've done is uh, uh, with all the telcos, they have layer two capability within uh, BGP with EVPN. So, for them to, uh, but for the telcos, it was a big task to upgrade the entire network because it's a slow process that they have to do. So, so typically you you upgrade the edge, then you gradually move to the, the distribution and the core. But well, once all of that's done, you could essentially spin up uh, a VX, VXLAN, a layer two pipe sure. between any two sites.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's all done through a point and click GUI that allows you to do that. And this is all done through BGP and uh, evpn Ethernet vpn
0: so in, in, later, in a telco provider it's just another service that they could charge for right
2: exactly so that's that's the evolution on the telco side here in canada they i they think they're almost ready to offer that service they've had trials and uh because it was a big process uh, because uh, on the switching side, when you're dealing with telcos, are service provider switches quite different from the Nexus 9000s. So these are the CRSs and...
0: Um, sure, it's a whole other level of redundancy and reliability and... Exactly. ...5.9s really into focus. Exactly. And uh,
2: it's not a small upgrade to move towards a version of BGP that supported the uh, EVPN, Uh, So it's a gradual process. So I think eventually all telcos will be able to uh, support layer layer two or BGP and provide that service and giving all customers much more flexibility in terms of uh, whether they they just need pure internet connections or just uh, point-to-point, layer two extensions, that sort of thing. So in the case of... uh, VMware with this uh, uh, NSX type deployment, you could theoretically deliver that through a telco
0: providing the layer two extensions now, right? Sure. I mean, we have it at our dedicated uh, telco BU that I'm sure is working on just that.
2: Yeah, or you could just do the traditional way where you just have layer three BGP and then just have uh, VXLAN endpoints Defined between the two NIC cards or between the two servers, the the VMware servers. So there, there's a lot of possibility going forward. And then you know, with all the telcos, they're also looking at uh, network function uh, virtualization (NFV), right? Where what Eric was just describing about security and uh, uh, add-ons to the network. So with the future capability of these telco switches, you could uh, provide NFV type functionality in the CPE. So you wanna just uh, deploy security. Yeah,
0: voice QoS, um, QoS introspection on, on, on packets between micro segmentation, sure. Yeah. So uh, And that could be between endpoint devices within, let's say that layer two level or anything between an endpoint device and uh, a cloud provider, it really would do, it just depend on the, the customer requirements at that point, wouldn't it not? Exactly.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and don't forget that we, uh, you know, it was a fee per service. Absolutely. A Absolutely. Size, per, per service, per month, per ingress and egress, right? Well, everybody's to live and
2: everybody has to make a bit of money, right? <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of evolution on the telco side with uh, what's, hap- what's happening on the BGP side and BGP extensions for layer two. And then uh, just uh, traditional VXLAN, that sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, what what's interesting is BGP, for the most part, you know, with MPLS, you guys probably know about MPLS and traditional sure. VPN type connectivities Now you can do the MPLS thing, you can do the EVPN thing with uh, a switch that has the right operating system to give you all of these features. So MPLS is old, and that's uh, you know that's been there for a while. The the, the trick was to introduce uh, BGP VPN to uh, the switches in your network on the telco side to give you these layer two extensions, and uh, that's where all the activity is right now. So in Cisco's case, and in uh, you know Cisco Juniper Arista. they're they're all big on uh, BGP, multi-protocol BGP and EVPN because that's their uh, control plane for giving you layer two across the switches running BGP.
0: Right.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. Interesting. Interesting. The last thing I'll talk about is uh, IT careers in general because we are a community podcast. And uh, I'm wondering when, you know, how long network architects and uh, network managers are going to actually still have a job, right? Because uh, some of this consolidating back into cloud as services, uh, sooner or later, we're all just going to be button pressers, right? Where you're just going to get the whole fabric laid out for you, and you're just going to click. And uh, some people in chat are actually, you know, mentioning that, like, yeah, most people's networks experience is like how to connect a router in between my home network, <laughs> you know, like, and, uh, and 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 really, it, it looks like like how. What's happening to the career? Uh, is IT practitioners merging into, you know, IT network managers because all of this just becomes a software layer, right? And then software layer is all controlled by, you know, mouse clicks and what the software actually will do for you. Uh, versus the days maybe 15 years ago where, you know, it's all very separate. You had hardware, you had rack and stack, then you had, you know, the the OS that you managed the Cisco OS. And so, uh, where do you think some of this is going?
2: I think what they're hiring today are all uh, grads with programming backgrounds. Uh, the hot thing right now is all Python, Ansible, that level of uh, programming. Because if you look at uh, what we didn't discuss here is uh, what's going on on the automation side. And on the automation side, it's all Python, Ansible, Puppet, Chef. Right. Those kind of
0: tools, right?
1: DevOps control, infrastructure control. They're embedding that in and doing doing the whole infrastructure control just as another DevOps tasks in. Ansible, Jenkins, those guys,
2: right? Exactly. So that's a, a big career path for. Right. Grads right now.
1: But even argue that there will be Kubernetes control, you know, modules that will just control this the the fabric as well, right? Like.
2: And the other big thing is uh, data analytics with machine learning and that direction.
1: Yep. Uh, we we had some data analytics machine learning guys in from VMware because now that's that's growing. Uh, Nvidia is doing so. If you look at it, Nvidia's doing networking, Nvidia bought Arm, right? CPUs. Nvidia, you know, has has a GPUs, and so uh, where they're doing machine learning, so they're actually in an interesting place as well where this is all coming together. So uh, yeah, data, data, analytics, modeling, learning, all of that coming together because networks are driving data. It's all software. It's, it's an interesting time, right. And careers will change, you know, uh, based on automation. And you're right. That's an interesting perspective where, you know, automation will become the key of managing your networks because there's such big scale to where what you're really doing is worrying about automation and letting the, cloud providers and the software stack providers provide you with feature sets with APIs that you can control using automation.
2: Yeah, because if you look at, remember you mentioned the SDN controller. With the SDN controller, whether it's NSX, Cisco, Juniper, Arista, there's northbound APIs and there's southbound APIs, right? Southbound to interface with uh, the network and northbound to interface with all their network management tools, the applications, what have you. And guess what they use, puppet, I mean, uh, Python. Right, sure.
1: Yeah.
2: So, I, you know, that, that's hot. That's but the other thing that's not mentioned here is, you know, if you look at the Googles of the world, uh, they follow the open source path. So with Google, they, they have white box switches and they do all the programming themselves. So, you know, they you can buy a generic white box switch and then you're following like OpenStack and Neutron and OpenFlow.
1: Right, and that's really where how Kubernetes spun out of the same thing, right? Is, right. I
2: mean, so the
1: structure that they built. Yeah.
2: yeah, so if you're looking at a, a software startup, you're not looking at buying a, a vendor switch with this Juniper Arista Cisco. It'll buy a white box switch and then use open source and program the switch and go that path.
1: Or in our case, if you've already got uh, vSphere throughout your data center, now we have you know NSX and Kubernetes embedded into vSphere, so it runs right in the hypervisor, and then you can also control all that as well. So for existing data centers, that's where VMware has moved into that stack, right, where we put it all together. Then you can you know build Kubernetes you know, control infrastructure uh, right into right controlling everything at the v layer, and so. Avi
0: yeah. for load balancing, that right. now is incorporated into NSX. Yeah. Because well,
1: the- we're running out of time here, top of the hour, right? We've been at it an hour, and uh, Mervyn Fernandez, uh, it, it's been fun. Uh, yeah. Matt, any last questions for Mervyn before we uh, you know, wrap things up? Because we are at the top of the hour.
0: I, this will be a, a topic for a separate podcast, Eric, but I wanted to see Mervin's take on IPv6 adoption and why it's lagging. But I think that's a, a, a separate sidebar, but I do appreciate Mervin being on. He has immense experience. Uh, I, I can tell that at the beginning of the conversation here before we had started to record, uh, Mervin was telling me about his punch card programming experience and acoustic couplers. So, a gentleman that has certainly seen the gamut of the IT implementations and networking and whatnot, and I very much appreciate him being on and sharing his knowledge with us and the community as a whole. Well,
2: right. I hope I hope it was useful. Uh, I uh, tend to ramble on sometimes, but. <laughs>
1: No, it's been great. It's been great, and uh, again, we're promoting the network event na- next week, and so it's always good to just have some some topics on that uh, that we don't normally cover here. We don't spend a lot of time on networking. We've done. We have a special edition podcast that we we promoted uh, throughout the week uh, to where we had the NSX. Uh, product manager come in and uh, do a little bit of overview of NSX and the history of NSX and where it's going. So if you guys are listening to the podcast on iTunes, you can check that out. Uh, we published that last night, special cop podcast with the NSX uh uh product manager go check that out go register for the nsx event uh mervyn fernandez uh always great to spend time with you and talk network uh network chat Uh, you always throw uh protocols in that i don't understand and i i always uh, roll my eyes and go i this is so much, uh, I'm glad that it all comes down to Python cause I can get a handle on that. So um, I'll, get to, I'll get to, I'll stay in the game for a little bit longer, maybe another 10 years of my career before I'm just uh, ready to hang it up. I still got kids in college. So I, I have to worry about that uh, as, as we all do. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt, thanks for the question. What was the question, repeat the question cause I want Merv to take a one minute answer to your to your to your question but I've ipv6
0: and yep. why it's been slow to adopt
1: i've had that same question why why ipv6 is such a slow adapter maybe because ipv4 just keeps working and we don't really care
0: no
2: i, I the, the the underlying reason for ipv6 was uh, the concern that you're going to run out of address space on the v4 side has that happened
1: apparently not maybe yeah. we just recycle i numbers i don't i don't know like, like- so, uh,
2: unless you're a research network so a lot of the research networks in the US and Canada have uh, built an ipv6 backbone but uh, unless you have a need for ipv6 the general uh, answer is you know
1: Yeah, everybody's running on their internal networks are all 192 networks, right? Like nobody's actually, nobody's actually consuming that many on their inside side, and then you know forwarding and all that, you know. Yeah,
2: unless unless there's a serious concern with uh, depleting address space, right? uh, And you know, you're actually seeing it until there's an actual need for it. I I think uh, because when you think about it, it's a huge effort for both the, the telcos as well as customers to migrate to uh, an IPv6-based network. And the 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 easiest thing is uh, you know, if you have a V6 backbone, just t- tunnel the V4 in your V6 and you're done, right?
1: Right, right. There you go, Matt. That is a, a short answer. You write an entire podcast just on the subject.
2: We can, yeah, we can talk in more detail about that. No yeah. problem.
1: Absolutely. i'd
0: love to yeah
1: all right well we're at the top of the hour thanks a lot for guys on talk uh matt uh let's see uh tony tony foster i know i'm not even sure we have you live anymore because i'm getting air pop-ups on my uh oh talk live oh there, there you go now it seems like it's i'm still, still here. here yep cool <laughs> Um I don't think we did any ba- ba- we always do a little bit of v barbecue at the end of the podcast and uh I know Merv is a big barbecue guy he goes out in his backyard and uh, barbecues now, uh, now and then uh we're coming up to Thanksgiving so you know you got the barbecue turkeys that we're going to have to all figure out how to do if you're going to do one uh anybody got any uh cool barbecue recommendations uh for the week uh I don't know if I have anything
0: mm-hmm. I don't have anything. I don't don't have
1: anything. Nobody has anything. We're all just going to take a
0: Oh, this this is not good. I mean, I think we we might need to to do an audible here on, on some recommendation. No no barbecue report is just a shame. <laughs>
2: I I, I my barbecue up because winter's coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Takes it down. Indoor barbecuing. Right, there you go. Got the jo- George Foreman uh George Foreman grill. Yeah. Right. There you go. Uh Well, all right. We're at the end of the hour. Uh, It is lunchtime here in California. So we're going to go get some food. That's why we do the barbecue uh, report at the end of the podcast. Mervyn Fernandez, thanks a lot for coming and joining our ecosystem. We appreciate it.
2: Well, no, thank you very much. And everybody, uh, you know, keep well and stay safe.
1: Yes. Everyone do that. We will be back next week uh, where you're going to be covering Amazon's RDS, uh, AWS RDS. So uh, VMware resells the RDS database product that run, hosts on Amazon. We got the product managers to come in and talk about it because Amazon reInvent is coming up. Uh, we're going to actually have uh, VMware code sessions in our virtual booth at Amazon reInvent that I big kicks off December, early December. Uh, I'm going to do some Raspberry Pi sessions. Going to recruit William Lamb to come in and, do one on uh, uh, ESX on Raspberry Pi 4 and ARM. So ESX on ARM on Raspberry Pi 4. So pay attention to that. Next week, uh, Amazon A- uh, RDS. Uh, We're going to have the product managers in to come and talk about that product. And uh, we're ramping up for the network launch and then following that up with Amazon reInvent and all the stuff. We have a VMware virtual booth that we're going to be talking about uh, as we move forward on the podcast. Thanks a lot for being here. Everybody have a great week and we will see you again next week. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Thank you.